All right, welcome to the Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast, episode 101. Let me slap Tyler out, Tyler around up there and wake up. Yeah, we got a big episode here today. Start of a new Tyler, a new journey here, starting 101 today. And I'm excited to say we got a guest on today from uh, the far end of the bench podcast, uh, Jimmy over there. Uh, they do a good job with, he's on with uh, Nico, uh, based in Denver. So we're going to be having him on, a fellow uh, Variety Sports Network member. We're going to be doing some NFL shows with him uh, come Sunday nights, uh, you know, kind of breaking down some of the games that week, looking ahead to Monday night. So, uh, yeah, that's what's ahead of episode 101 here this week. We'll be having him on in a few minutes and uh, chatting it up with him, getting to know him a little bit here. And, uh, yeah, like I said, another guy that you can uh, listen to on the Variety Sports Network, another podcast, another great podcast, one that we have been listening to for a few months here. We actually enjoy quite a bit. So, Looking forward to having him on and getting his thoughts on the sporting world and maybe his adventures in podcasting as well. So with that said, T, what are you up to? How are you doing? Not a whole lot. Uh, my alarm failed me, but that's all right. Um, uh, Ryan, Ryan, this this episode for you. It'll be a little hockey for um, sure. Big Adams fan, the Jimmy guy. Uh, Tyler's not lying, people. It, it's he's like people are like, yeah, I'll be I'll be at six ten a.m. I'll lie. And Tyler's always online. He's usually got time. You know, nothing don't have to worry. When we get to six eighteen. I'm getting a little nervous here. He had texted him. I said, I said, wake up, man, wake up. What are you doing? <laughs> but I got nervous last night when you texted me at like twelve oh one. I was like, oh boy, one of us might not wake up. No, Couldn't I'm sleep just... last night. I just kept waking up. I'm lying. We're here, and we're here to bring you a good interview. Um, with Jimmy, like I said, we'll get over and then do a little, little, we'll talk about, you know, obviously, like you said, we'll yeah, podcast and stuff, we'll talk about the network, but then we'll also get into like, kind of want to get his thoughts on some of, uh, some of the Jokic stuff. Like we don't really talk about that a lot. That'd be interesting to have somebody that's in that area, just get a feel for him, two-time MVP. So curious to get his kind of thoughts of the, the state and how loved he is and like, or disrespected in some ways he is there. And of course, getting his thoughts on the NFL too here. And like Tyler said, uh, his abs won the Stanley Cup. So we'll probably get into that a little bit too as well. So, all right, we'll take a quick little break here. And we'll be back with Jimmy uh, shortly. All right, we're back here, Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast. And yes, there he is, folks, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy from, uh, I don't even want to say your last name. I know I'm going to get it wrong. I, like you said, on this podcast, I, I, it's, I'm going to say Palato. I just want to call you Jim Otto. That's what I want to call you. <laughs> that, that's not bad. I shouldn't even call that before, baby. Uh, but anyway, no, okay. I put that down. I put that immediately as a Raiders fan. But it came to mind right away. But with that said, we got Jimmy here from the far end of the bench podcast. He's joining me and Tyler here on the Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast. He's also going to be with us on uh, a Monday night sh- or a Sunday night show, I to say once in a while, or maybe all the time here. We'll find out on the Variety Sports Network that we are both now a part of. And uh, so you can look for us, both of our podcasts there. So, Jimmy, excited to have you on. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's fitting that I'm finally on this show, the Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast, because uh, I, I was always a fat boy. I was an offensive lineman growing up, and now I coach fat boys. So it's perfect. I'm, I'm glad that we finally got this done. Uh, and at some point, we need to get the four of us together, because I think if the four of us were on a show, uh, it might melt the podcast world. But this will be a blast anyways. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think you're right about that. It will be uh, that will be interesting if we can get the four of us on at some point. That would be great. Um, so, first of all, uh, I just curious, where are you at in Colorado? Uh, a little bit south of Denver. It's like the Cherry okay. Creek High School area. So, okay, okay. Uh, 
Now, my understanding is you're, are you coaching over there, teaching? What do you do over there? I'm coaching in the Cherry Creek area, and then I teach a little bit further south down the highway. Okay, sounds good. I think I, I think I heard you say on your podcast you do like junior high students, right, or something like that. Uh, yeah, they're the kids I coach are fifth graders. They're eleven, okay. and I teach seventh graders. So I, I have most conversations with people under fifteen years old now throughout my yeah. entire week. I always joke about because I've been coaching like fifth to eighth grade for a long time. And it's the conversations you hear in that age group. And there was a price in that age group over there. Um, but like I said, uh, the first thing I kind of wanted to ask you is you guys, are, like I said, me and Tyler have listened to your guys' podcast for a little bit, uh, a while here. How did you guys get into it? Curious how you and Nico kind of came about. How they- well, actually, we met when uh, we were in middle school. We were on the same football team. We were the two biggest kids on the team. So we would always get put against each other in the drills that we were like, quote, set the tone when it was still okay to bash your head against each other for an hour and a half. Yeah, so we we started off that way, um, and we played up until high school. I went to a different high school for a couple of years, but then I ended up moving back, and uh, so we've known each other for quite a long time, and it was always the thing, like, he wanted to be a sports agent, and I wanted to be in broadcasting. I knew that's what I was going to go to school for, so we came up with the idea right before we went to college. We are like, you know, you can get on the radio and I'll represent the athletes and we can have the athletes on the show and all of that kind of stuff. And we went to college. Um, I did get into the radio. He did go into the sports management club and, and all of that kind of stuff happened that I did started doing the podcast because the pandemic and I wanted to keep my broadcasting skills sharp and put out a tweet. I was looking for a co-host because me talking to myself for an hour is not as entertaining and he was like you know we always had this idea um and and it ended up working out it's been two years now uh love the name that we came up with the first couple names were not great and uh, the first couple episodes were were not great either i'd say it took us probably like 10 episodes before we even felt comfortable talking to each other so we can't even go back and listen to the original episodes but it's been rolling ever since and now we're on variety with you guys so um it's been a blast. I can't believe that it's over two years now. Um, but no, it's it, we've known each other forever. So that's why when I say he's my podcast, like he's my podcast husband, because we argue just like a married couple. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous sometimes. Yeah, you guys are very. It's funny. Our journey kind of sounds a slavery to podcasting rather than timing there too as well. Uh, yeah, you guys are great out the way, and he gets very passionate about certain things too. I mean, you do as well, but I've noticed yeah. it with him too. So if anybody checks it out there. Um, you mentioned, uh, the first couple of names. Yeah. Me and Tyler, if you go back and listen, like the first eight episodes, I think we have like four names and I was like, gosh, those are brutal. Some of them, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could yeah. settle. So it's funny that you mentioned that it is like <laughs> one of the trickiest parts of the whole thing to it. Um, all right. My last thing that we'll get into some sports here that I like to always figure out the podcast because we talk about this. You said you've been doing, doing it with two years here. What are some of the challenges you have faced with it? You guys have kind of like dealt with and like, you know, maybe a tip or something like that. Yeah, it's um, it was difficult. I mean, the most difficult thing is to be consistent and having to do it every single week and kind of setting setting aside time, even though stuff happens, things people get busy. I mean, we didn't have a live episode the week before, um, just re-releasing interviews because I was at night school and teaching all day, and he was traveling back from Florida. So things come up and and things happen, but just uh, being able to know that the show is going to be fun no matter what has been the big thing so even though it's an hour two hours out of our day every single week 
Um, and then I have to edit. So I get the fun job on top of everything because he didn't go to school for all of that. I get stuck with that job too. So um, just kind of staying consistent and, and staying on the course and letting arguments happen and then being able to come back together afterward and be like, yeah, that was kind of dumb what we were fighting about, but we should just get back on track because it, it, I'm over <laughs> it now. I'm good. You're good. We, we can all be good together. Speaking of you editing, where do you get the song for the far end of the bench, like for your intro? It's perfect, like setting the move for the pod. Yeah. How do yeah, you come across that? I was in Vegas at the MGM Grand, and it was at the country bar that they have down there. So before you get to the mall at the back of the MGM Grand, there's a bar called Losers, and they have live music. And Luke Combs has performed there, um, a couple other bigger names. And this guy was up there, and he started singing Garth Brooks, and that's my favorite country singer of all time. So I was, I finished, he finished his set, I gave him a fist bump, and then I happened to reach out to him on social media. His name's Warren, Warren Garrett. He's a young up and coming guy coming out of Nashville. Um, and he put that together. I asked him to do just like a little quick hit because I was sick of not having our song on the YouTube channel. Um, so I was like, Hey, you make this, we'll have you on the podcast at some point. We're still trying to work him coming out onto the show, but uh, yeah, just randomly like drinking a whole bunch of Coors Light at a country bar in Las Vegas. I came across that guy and he, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll throw something together. I'll mix it. I'll master it. It took, a little bit of time because I, I think I asked them close to a year ago. So it, it, it was a, a long time coming, but I think it, it's great. And I, that little intro that we have now, as much as I love Luke Combs, I think it fits the show even better. It's awesome. I was actually thinking of the same exact thing. So it's funny, Tyler asked that because I, when I was listening to it the other day, and you guys kind of wrote it in your description. I was like, yeah, that's pretty sick right there. That that song. I was like, me and Tyler would have to get somebody, a fat guy, to sing our song for Serpent. <laughs> I, I hope at some point we, I, I got to convince him to like make a full song out of it. And then Nico yeah, and I should. can be in the music video or something. I, I feel sick. like that would be good. That would be fun. That would be awesome. Um, all right. So, I'm curious before we kind of get started in sports, are you from Colorado or like, obviously you're wearing a Bengals hat. So like, where's your, uh, when did you transition to Colorado when this happened? I'm actually born and raised. My whole family is, okay. um, but it was just watching my dad used to, my dad and I used to watch all the games. So we turned on a Bengals game when I was like five and okay. the tiger stripes were sweet. And then yes. from there, yes. I, I fell in love with initially Carson Palmer and uh, uh, that love faded really quickly after he, he when he was playing for the Raiders I hated that guy I wanted him to get decapitated every single week I still well, didn't really you. like him when he played in Arizona either so we gave uh, you two first round picks unnecessarily or something like that our first and second I don't know what it, that was on you guys because he was ready to retire <laughs> we did a lot of dumb things we do <laughs> you actually got a little crazy <laughs> yeah yeah no that was um but no I've been a Bengals fan for like the last 15 years but I've lived in born and raised in Colorado I've gone to ton of Broncos games so uh, that's why Nico and I work because I can I let him be like the over-the-top zealous Broncos fan and then yeah. I'm the one sitting off to the side like it's not gonna be not that easy not gonna um, be that good you guys you aren't root, gonna win the division do you root against the Broncos or do you kind of pull for them uh, unless they're playing the Bengals I can yeah. I, it's easier for me in my life in the Bron if the Broncos win because everybody and everybody else that I come across and contact with is so much happier when they win and last few years when they're getting donkeyed by everybody, it's just not a fun time. 
that was funny. That's how I feel like kind of with the Raiders, but I have a lot of Niner friends and stuff like that. I'm like, I still kind of want them to lose. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But they are happier when they win. That's for sure with that part of it. Uh, all right. So in Colorado, Mike, I, I was looking up the like the Bay Area. I've always been a Mike. Cause you guys on your podcast maybe two weeks ago were talking about Colorado and Colorado State briefly. And it yeah. made me think about college football here in the Bay Area. And I was like, all right, let me look at the population of the Bay Area compared to Colorado. Bay Area still has like two more million people. This is Google a few years ago, whoever, so it's probably around the same. So in some way, our my little section where I live is kind of compared to your state. Both our college football programs basically suck in our areas. Let's be realistic. I was just kind of curious, like, but I feel like the talent here is pretty good. I'm sure you guys have good talent in Colorado as well. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? Why can't we keep these guys uh, – well, I know why we can't keep them in our area, but why can't you guys keep them in Colorado? You guys used to have a good program. And Colorado State's, I guess, getting better, but, they're, you know, it's Colorado State. They can only go so far. Yeah, McElwain kind of proved that Colorado State is a stepping stone job because yeah. he was there for a season. They started turning things around, and then he jumped ship to the SEC. Um, it comes down to, like, the recruiting was huge. When, they, when CU was dominant, it was the recruiting. They were recruiting heavy in the Los Angeles and Southern California area because you take those kids to Boulder and show them the mountains and the foothills. And they're just like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize that the world can look like this. So <laughs> that was, that was when they were really dominant. And you think about the guys they had, like Alfred Williams was from Texas. Um, none of their marquee players. I think Sal, Sal and was the California guy. So I, honestly, I think he might have been around the Bay Area. Um, but nowadays, like Colorado does have some good players. If CU wanted to recruit mainly Colorado, CU, CSU, they would be able to put out a pretty competitive field. And that's what the successful col- col- college programs in Colorado do. Because we have Colorado School of Mines who just went to the semifinals in D2. And mostly Colorado guys, they fill in with a couple of out-of-state people because then you can spend money on, in other areas you're not spending all of this money paying out of state tuition and scholarships, then you're not hamstringing yourself. So I think it really just comes down to, they don't care enough to keep Colorado kids here. The USDSU barely recruit. They have like one GA who recruits the Denver Metro area. And then, yeah, they're, they're trying to be like California West or California East, excuse me, California East. And it it hasn't worked out. It, It hasn't worked out for a while. Um, I think the last time CU was relevant was when they were getting 70 put up on them by Vince Young in the Rose Bowl. That was, that was about it. Yeah, because that's a bad way to be relevant. I just always find it interesting, those things, because just the way they're compared. Go ahead, T. Speaking of CU, uh, is, they've been good at basketball in the early 90s and good at football with Cordell Stewart and Michael Westbrook. Is it more of a basketball or a football area? It is, Colorado's a football state, so it's football first, but – when CU football isn't great, we can they people get behind CU basketball, CSU basketball. Even we claim Wyoming just because they're that much they're that close. It's like a three hour drive from my house. You guys big Josh up. Allen fans down there? Nico more so than Nico more so than me. And honestly, if you bring up the fact that the Broncos could have drafted Josh Allen, I think it still kind of sticks in its he says that he's good now that we have Russell, but I was like, it's, it's not, I, I know that you feel that pain a little bit. Um, but no, it, if football's not going well, then we jump on basketball, hopefully. And uh, last season, 
last season was big with the basketball teams, or maybe it was two years ago, the year that they made it into the tournament and uh, I think beat or got close to beating Georgetown out of the Big East. Yeah. Um, we were pretty heavy on the basketball train, but it's really, if you're not good, there's enough things in Colorado that people just yeah. won't pay attention to. Yeah, yeah the Colorado basketball program still produces like an NBA player every couple of years, which mm -hmm. is pretty impressive for them That's not being like a marquee school. Yeah. That's why I just, in basketball. I just always found it fascinating, the Bay Area compared to Colorado, the whole state. They're kind of interesting the way they handle their college sports. are very similar. Um, all right. So you do. I know you're kind of involved with this Division II podcast that you do. Mm -hmm. I haven't really followed up. I hear you talking about it once in a while on your, on your show there. Yeah. Not like you played and Nico played at Division II. How, how far did you guys take your football journey? Yeah, I played uh, – I went to Western Colorado, which is right in the middle of the mountains. Um, yep. So I played D2 and, and played all four years that I was in college. Nico played at Augustana, which is actually where Ken Anderson, the quarterback for the Bengals back in the 80s, went. Mm -hmm. he, he always throws that out there when I mention him. Um, and then he transferred to GCU and, and ended up playing club lacrosse for his last few years. So we both played a little bit in college. Um, he, was, he went to a lower level uh, school and played fullback for a season, but, you know, that at that level you kind of just you're only playing because you love it because really it takes away from everything else even at the d2 level yeah. i would i would say i would would have been so much more of a successful student if i didn't play football but it was always a dream to have an ncaa scholarship and get yeah. on the field at least once or twice and, and that's what i was able to do and i got a degree out of it so um, yeah but i i we played I say I played for 15 years, seven to 22 was the last season that I was actually shooting. That's a long time, man. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, Will you let your kids play football with the concussion stuff that's now going on? Or? I, I would, be, I would because I'm the, I would be the coach and I would coach it the same way that I would, I'm coaching my young guys now. Like don't hit with your head. I'm teaching them to strike with their hands first we don't make contact with the helmet unless like that's the last ditch thing. And it's only there to protect you when you go to the ground and possibly hit your head there. It's not like a weapon. So if it's taught right, I think that playing football at a young age is fine. And then it depends on the kid. I mean, some kids are, are just too small at that age. So they might have to wait a little bit longer, but I think that it's, if it's done right, everybody can play. So these videos you see online are just like,
what this BCS crap? I'm like, give me the tournament. And they always had the, that one team I was rooted for. They had the, the weird kind of colorful logo with the police officer. I don't, I don't know what it was on it. Man. So oh. I don't know who they were always in the finals back then in Division Two there. Um, all right, so let's keep it moving here. Um, you talked about uh, you played offensive line. I, I'm curious with NFL and other sports too. Do you think it's one of the more disrespected spo- uh, spots in all of sports? I was, yeah. you know, I know the left tackle gets paid. I, that's right. the one spot, but I feel like they, like the Niners this year, they took their roster. Like, well, we're gonna have to cut some cut some guys. Offensive line is gonna be the cheap spot this year. We'll just fill guys in. I always feel like it's kind of an under. You said that you kind of played a little offensive line. I don't always feel it's kind of a, one of those disrespected spots in sports. It is. It is. And uh, I mean, Mark Schlereth is one of the big radio personalities in Colorado and he refuses. He's the only one that stands up for offensive linemen and he refuses to call anybody else skill position. The offensive line is a skill position because catching a ball is an ability. Running fast is an ability. Throwing it is also an ability. Being able to stop at a 290 pound man that runs a four six forty and it's coming straight down your face. I feel like that's more of a skill. So it is disrespected and it's not easy to do, like not easy to do well. People say that you can replace offensive linemen and it's, I mean, when the the Bengals were at their lowest, it was the years after they let Andrew Whitworth go to the Rams and it wasn't easy to replace And I still don't think they've done it. It, it. If people would actually take the time or actually play the game, they would understand that that should be the first position that you fill. And that should be the position that you take the most time evaluating and then teaching and making sure that they know what they're doing because offensive line play, if you do it right, um, that's the ticket to the promised land. And I always feel it's like, uh, like compared to electricity, right? You take it for granted. And then when you don't have mm-hmm. it, you're like, crap. <laughs> On both like, sides of the ball. Like, like, damn, we can't do anything. Yeah, if you can run the ball and you can protect your quarterback, you're going to have a decent offense. So, like, Tyler's a Niners fan. He would know that. It's all Shanahan does is run the ball like 80 times. <laughs> uh, you know, do it four times against the Packers two years, three years. <laughs> Shanahan is – Shanahan, I, we love Shanahan because he went to the – Nico and I went to the same high school that he graduated from. He went to Cherry Creek um, while he was living here with his dad. And he is one of those guys – the scheme of his plays is perfect. The offensive line doesn't have to do anything major. They just have to step in the right spot as to where Kyle Shanahan drew the line, and it's a perfect 15-yard hole. And then they have the fast running backs to be able to bust through it. Yeah, it's – the teams that do the best and the teams that go the farthest in the playoffs normally control the line of scrimmage on both sides. They have the better defensive line. They have the better offensive line and you can't do anything when you're getting dominated up front. Can't stop the run. You can't rush the passer because you can't, you're not getting sacks if you're not stopping the run. Um, So you were talking about uh, controlling the line of scrimmage. So if we kind of keep it moving forward here a little bit, we talk about teams now in the NFL. You have a team that hat you're wearing right now, and they have uh, they made the Super Bowl last year, but they also have a distinctive record the last couple of years of giving up, what is it, 83 sacks, I believe. I think they gave up 51 last year, nine in the Titans game, and somehow won offensive line. So if you're watching your Bengals team going into this year, Burrow got hurt the first year. Kind of, if we transition a little bit to the Bengals here, what do you, how are you feeling about them this year? And can they? Is Burrow know, missing they, games first this year? I don't think so. He he yeah. wasn't in initially at training camp because he had the appendectomy, but he's back in full go again. I think he he was a full participant in the joint practice that they just had with uh, the Rams, which was a dumb mistake by the NFL. Why would you <laughs> schedule so the Super Bowl 
the uh, Super Bowl matchup. They do that a practice. lot too. When you have a guy that's as whiny of a bitch as Aaron Donald, shouldn't do that. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't do that. It was. Uh, here's the thing. Yes, the offense. It's better. Last year was better than two years ago when Burrow got hurt. It's not. It wasn't good last year, and they obviously proved that in the playoffs. I don't. I was the one watching the Titans game. Like they're still. They still have a shot at this thing. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. I guess. Um, this year. Thank you, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill was beautiful, and then also Joe Mixon and and yes. uh, the defense stepping stepped up pretty big in in that game. This season, I'm encouraged because the talent should be better. But then also, I w- I've been reading a whole bunch ever since Aaron Donald was swinging the helmets at, at my guys. I've been reading up on it, and Lyle Collins was the one who got underneath his skin. So the offensive line has an attitude now, and he was the one. I don't know if it's the smartest thing in the world to provoke a guy like Aaron Donald, who's proven that he's a psychopath and will kill somebody <laughs> on the on the football field and think – he, he thinks he's playing NFL blitz for real. That's, that's, that's what he thinks he's doing. He thinks that he he's one of the up. dirtiest players in the league because he's always kind of he considered is. like the best. And I'm always kind of like, how can he be the best in NFL? I know, like, I don't he's know. I don't know. Good. I know he he's is. damn good, he but yeah, but like, it's hard to like. Sometimes I'm earlier in his career. I feel like the last year, but I don't know. Sometimes I, it just jumps out. I know. He's As a Niner fan, he's okay. dominant. He will kill any like. But he is a psychopath. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But I'm not gonna talk like he's not this he is he, i'm i'm not saying I'm that he's not a forward. not a he is he's the best he's the best defensive lineman in in the game but and that plays into why he is he's so dirty yeah. and will do anything that it takes to beat you it's frustrating to play against because he can beat you straight up and then he's also crazy like and will take a kneecap and will hurt you and end your career and not give a single like yeah sorry that's how the game works you can't walk right I needed to get to the, I needed to stop this guy on a second and six carry. Really? Did you, did you have to? Like, I'm in a wheelchair now, Aaron. Thank you. But I think the, I think the Bengals, they've improved enough that they should be consistent, at least where they were last season. I don't know if that's going to be them winning the division again, because I think the rest of the division will be better. Um, but I do think that they should be, they shouldn't be looked at as a doormat anymore. Well, it's always kind of funny because the team that loses the Super Bowl usually has a tendency to struggle. So there's mm-hmm. that, like, there's this little thing that's kind of over. I always kind of put over every team that loses the Super Bowl, this little cloud of injury or whatever, always bad luck always kind of seems to happen. Yeah. So hopefully you guys can avoid that. doesn't always happen, but hopefully you guys can avoid that. See, you got something. Yeah, going back to that Super Bowl matchup, match, what were you thinking of Eli Apple the whole playoffs when he was running his mouth? Was that – was you like it? Yeah. He uh, didn't earn – the ability to talk like the way that he was talking. I don't think he was as bad. People give him the toast and he got burnt and sure. But, you know, that play, the play that ended the Super Bowl, uh, Jalen Ramsey was cooked, like worse than Eli Apple was burned in the back of the end zone, giving up that touchdown. It just so happened that nobody could get the pass off. But he wasn't the worst DB that played in the playoffs. So I don't know why he got as much crap as he did other than the fact that it was him running his mouth and he probably shouldn't have, but I didn't mind what he was doing. I thought that he was the secondary and and the defense was a huge reason why we made it that far. Anyways. I mean, Desi Bates baited Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship to get us the ball back in overtime. And Eli Apple was a part of that play. So I think, I think people are, 
unfairly giving it to him, I guess fairly or unfairly, depending on how you, you look at him. But I think that he was he was exactly what he was advertised as. He's not a number one corner. He's like a an extra depth person that hopefully doesn't get give up a big mistake. You brought up Jesse Bates. Is that all figured out? Is he playing? Is he franchise tag? But he did finally come back and he's practicing again. But they didn't get a long term on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I the Bengals too. I they're they're the wide receivers are just killer. They're like unreal too. That's like just a part of them. That's a lot different this year. And, um, mm-hmm. I always think about the Bengals with their trio when they had Ocho Cinco and. Uh, TJ, those so they've they've had a few combinations over the years that have uh, produced, and uh, but this one seems to be quite deadly when you add Burrow to the mix to it. I mean, if we stay in the edit and the AFC North for a little bit, I kind of briefly heard you guys on your podcast, I think a while back, a month ago or something like that. You guys were talking about the division with it. The Steelers, it sounds like, is the team you hate the most in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? I mean, I'm a Raiders fan, and the Steelers, the Broncos are the team I hate the most. I don't know what it is. Like I went, it just. <laughs> Their uniforms, it just, and it's not because you guys, I just, uh, Tyler, no, I just, it's, that's a team I just don't like. I always want them to suck. And yeah. so, like, I, it will be interesting if me and Nico are on too for that reason, especially if they <laughs> play, because I really don't like the Broncos. And, but you're, I, the Steelers are right there. I've never liked the Steelers either. A, because they're just good. That's the main reason I don't like them. And they get some breaks here and there. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of part of it. Another reason I hate them as well. Um, so where does your hatred come from? Do you, uh, this year they're not going to be as good, I wouldn't think. But where do you where, where do you lie with the Steelers this year? It comes from 2005. The <laughs> Bengals had their best season, and they're playing the Steelers in the wild card round. And the knee, the knee, because then John Kitna had to come in and play in that playoff game, and it was I barely, I turned the game off after. Yeah, if if Palmer wasn't playing in that game, there was no shot. But it's also like. The Steelers are so pompous in the fact that they had the record for Super Bowls and Chuck Noll and all of this stuff. They they didn't take they were they're so disrespectful to the Bengals, saying that oh well it's it's a two team division in the AFC North, Baltimore and us. And I hate Baltimore. You can't wear purple in the facility. I'm like I, if people wear mustard yellow around me, it's almost on site, which is funny because the D2 podcast that I'm doing is with one of my buddies from college and he's a huge Steelers fan. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> we never talk about the NFL, but it's just they treat us like a nuisance. And in my mind, I'm like, you guys were good in the 70s. You've been decent and, and consistent, so I'll give you that. But I wouldn't say that it's been – we an NFL team can't be looked at as a nuisance. We're good. We beat you sometimes. You beat us sometimes. That's how things go. I just – and last year was so cathartic, like beating them in Heinz Field for the first time oh, in 16 years, good. sweeping them for the first time, I think, in four. We swept the Ravens and the Steelers and then got swept by the Browns. It was kind of a ridiculous you know, sequence of events. But, no, it's just because they treat us like like dirt. So I, I can't stand – can't stand the Steelers. That's funny. Yeah, the Steelers are one of those teams. So they always do. They, the thing about the Steelers always amazes me is how they win with such crappy quarterbacks sometimes over the years. Like, I mean, like Tommy Maddox pulled out a few seasons, or you mm-hmm. know, you know, like they're, they're these random guys. I don't forget a few over there, but they, they always have a few that pull out. Or even with Roethlisberger was hurt, they have a guy come in and they would still be able to win a few games. Left, which I believe yeah. was in there for a little bit, you know, at the end or something like that. So they always it's, have these guys pull it out. They're always frustrated for that reason. I hate this. 
I was a big Cardinals fan and I hate that. I, I mean, I like the Raiders, but I love the Cardinals too at that point. And that, that's another reason I don't like them too. So they ruined my entire 2006. They ruined my entire 2006 because they beat the, the Bengals that wild card round. And then they went on and they played, that was the year they played Jake Plummer and the Broncos in the AFC championship. Oh yeah, you're right. They did so beat them. both my teams. They're like, yeah, no, not, not happening. And then they went out and, that's the Super Bowl that they shouldn't have won. That was a Super Bowl that the Seahawks should have had. But the refs threw it. The refs mm-hmm. threw that one. I forgot if they played Jake Plummer in the AFC Championship. They, were they, they might have been the one seed that year, the Broncos. Maybe not. The Broncos been, were, yeah. Yeah, that was the year Camp had the 99 yard return on Brady to break Brady's unbeaten record in the playoffs. Okay, that's you're right. Incredible thing that that's funny to think about there. Jake Plummer, number one seed. People forget, man. You forget where these guys like Look, Tannehill, number one seed, right? Last year, you yeah. know, they were. And, and now Jake Plummer is selling mushrooms in Boulder. Yeah, I, saw <laughs> I saw his interview he did with the guys from, but I would think, yeah, that was a, that was yeah. quite the, uh, Here's a great handball player nowadays. Well, he's a lot <laughs> how, hard, how, how hard was it being a Bengals fan between Burrow and Palmer? Did it waver or was it? It never wavered, and Dalton yeah. at least Dalton would get oh, yeah, to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. yeah, he would get right, us right. to the playoffs. And the only bad part about it was they would come here. It was like a back and forth thing that they had going for a while. So they would play the Broncos in Cincinnati, and then they'd come back here. And my family has season tickets to the Broncos game, so we'd I'd be I always get the Bengals game, and I'm going, and I'm in my Bengals jersey, and I never saw them win in person until last season. I think I sat through – I think it was that 2005 season. My dad and I sat through a Christmas Eve blizzard, and they end up muffing a hold on the field goal that could have won them the game. And as we're walking through, like, three-degree weather as it's snowing on top of us, and I get – my dad hears it on the radio, like, oh, they had the chance to win, and then they just lost. And I'm like, well, Merry Christmas to me. So um, <clears throat> it was the, – the difficult parts are just, like – 31 years and nobody had ever been able to send a text message about a Bengals win in the playoffs. So being the joke for a while was the only thing never wavered, but it was like, I get it. We suck. I I can admit that we suck. That was my thing. Whenever anybody would give me shit about the Bengals, I'd be like, what do we do to you? Who's your team? (laughs) When did we We beat you you. We've yeah. helped you. <laughs> we Remember back in the 90s, we had back-to-back number one overall picks. We're the charity case. We're the charity case. Hey, I feel like I, I'm a Raiders fan. We're, we're going on 20 years without winning the playoff game, so we're getting close to that thing. We're getting close to 31 this year. You guys, I'm surprised you let me on the show. I, I thought I'm surprised you let me on the show after the wild card game. Well, thankfully, I was playing golf for the first half. I missed the first half. You're, so, you're, not, <laughs> you're not one of those people who are, are into Whistlegate? No, I, I didn't really see it this, that, the same way as some of Raider Nation a little bit like that. I've complained about some calls, but that wasn't one of the ones that I thought was, I don't know. That, I just didn't the think referee that. just should have kept the whistle out of his mouth. It was his fault. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I mean, Definitely a weird play that happened that yeah. you it, just, I don't know how you picked it. Or it's just Raiders crap luck. That's what it is, man. The Raiders get a lot of that crap stuff like that. So we all know about the tech rule and all that stuff. Speaking of the uh, Raiders, I want to get your opinion on someone I ask everybody about because I think he's far overrated now. Is Derek Carr. Everyone's acting like this guy is like a Pro Bowl or, or I guess he's made a couple Pro Bowl, but he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I just don't see it. No, he's fourth out of four in that division. For sure. I think it's a big drop off. 
Yeah, it's it's not really all that close. I think that that's he not what people be, are saying though. People are saying I, he's I, like one of the best top ten. I'm like top ten. What have I been no. watching? I'm like what have I? The been only watching? time that he was top ten was he, when he had that season where he broke his ankle. That was yeah, where like Colts it hurt him. That was the yeah. season where he could be seen as a top top ten quarterback. But every every other season is just can flat and and okay mediocre. Um, He's like the perfect Fresno State quarterback. He's the quarterback that came out of Fresno State, and he was like good sometimes and not good sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Carr's – he's kind of one of those guys – because the fan base loves him. I'm not a Raiders fan, but I'm always like, hey, my eyes are just only t- – my eyes tell me so much, people. I can't, like, just – I can't go crazy and just tell you he's top ten but just because I want to be because that's not how I see it a little bit with it. How does – he, you guys got some sick shirts that just came out the other day. Mm-hmm. You're, you're wearing one right now. I know the back of it. And then yeah. the Broncos won. Yeah, yeah. Let it ride was uh, the Broncos one there. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, I know you're not a Broncos fan, but maybe you could just kind of give me a brief like feel for the area. How pumped up are they now with Wilson there? Lock <laughs> that situation gone. What's the vibe uh, in Broncos country a little bit here in the AFC West? It's hilarious because after <laughs> the first preseason game when they won. Everybody was like, oh, I told you. I told you, Russ was all we needed. We were just a quarterback away, this roster. And, hey, I was a co- I co-host a podcast with somebody who was doing this. This roster was just a quarterback away. We got three Pro, pro Bowl receivers. We got a defense that's going to be this and that. And then after the Bills game, everybody's like, oh, shit, burn it down. It's the same thing. Why did we – what are we doing? Why did we bring this, this guy in who doesn't want to hit during practice? And then now that they won yesterday, I'm sure tomorrow we're going to turn on the radio and it's just going to be like, yeah, I told you, we're going to be fine. It's it's like a, a battered relationship where you've been put through so much and you're just waiting for that shoe to drop. But then when it's good, you're just like, yes, let's hold on to this. We can win a couple games. We can win games in a row. And then as soon as Russ throws an interception, Broncos country is going to implode on itself. Like, I can't, we can't. Why, why can't we just have nice things? We're so deprived. We last time we won a Super Bowl was in 2015, and Peyton Manning was here. And yeah, that's Broncos. Thank country you. This is why I don't like Broncos. This is the why. This is why I'm like they're, they're good. Why are they? Why are people acting like they're not good all the time? They've always been good. They made like 85 Super Bowls. Shut up! I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in trouble for that one on Monday when Nico uh. and I record. Uh, that's good. I don't know how to edit, so you're screwed. Um, so that's good. <laughs> uh, oh boy, no, that's a uh, no, but that's funny. But yeah, the Broncos are um, so the AFC West Broncos country. I know they're fired up with Wilson a little bit there. Uh, that division alone is good. Let me get your last thoughts here, then we'll kind of move on to something else. Tyler Niners fan here, NFC West a little bit. I heard you guys talk about that. It usually comes, I think, pretty clear. It's Rams Niners. Who did you end up taking in that that little call for the division? I want to say that I gave it to the Niners. Uh, I could be Smart wrong. Smart man. Yeah. I, I'm honestly – I'm leaning more towards the Niners. If I gave it to the Rams, it was probably just – Well, you can change. Than, We're not here yet. Yeah. No, I, I think it, I was probably just trying to give a different order than Nico. Um, we both had the Seahawks as the Trash. absolute basement. Oh, yeah. And uh, I put Arizona at three because Call of Duty comes out after week six. And I think that their quarterback is going to be a little distracted. That's also like it comes out week six and then they have a bye week, week 10. So Ooh, we're, we were trying to figure out if he was going to be worse going into the bye week or coming out of the bye week, like, <laughs> anticipating the video games that he's going to be playing or playing all the video games. Um, 
I think that the 49ers, especially locking up a guy like Trent Williams, who's the best offensive lineman in football, um, a guy that can be consistent, who there's nobody better to block for a new quarterback. I think that might be the only thing that I was a little bit worried about. I'm not sold on Lance. Six games in college isn't enough to prove that you're ready to be a starter in the NFL. And you played in preseason games so far or games that didn't really matter. So I want to see how that's going to work out. But I think that the Rams are – the Rams are ripe for just a, a letdown at some point. They're going to, they'll probably start off hot and then Sean McVay is going to think that he is all that. And then they'll have some sort of a collapse and I'm looking forward to it. I'm here for the Rams collapse now. They're, they're kind of moving up my list of teams that I can't stand. Well, you might be pissed. Yeah. Over. You, you just excited a lot of people there in our area. They definitely will be agree with that one. Uh, Tyler, people always give Tyler a little crap because Tyler always feels like he's not really a Lance fan either. It kind of comes across as that to some people. And I am a Lance fan. I hope the best for him. I'm just not, like you said, I'm not sold on him. And I get the, I had people blaming Sanahan for Lance's bad week two in preseason. I'm like, what are you, what are we doing here? This is ridiculous. I, oh, I'm a Jimmy fan. Cause I was like, Lance missed Iuke over the middle. Like until mm-hmm. the, I gave Lance like, Oh, you got to see these receivers. Oh, you just like Jimmy. I'm like, get out of here. Oh. Speaking of Jimmy, you guys had this <laughs> that comment you guys had last week of Garoppolo gets traded to the Jets. I mean, it'll be the prettiest locker it's, room. Yeah, it's the be- <laughs> most beautiful quarterback room of all time. Jimmy Garoppolo, Zach Wilson. The Take milk my- would just be like yeah, they're going to be cleaning up the whole lady. <laughs> they're going to have to hold meetings at a specific time because they're just going to have the Cougars like clawing at the door. The big Italians will be going off the shelf, the subway, the big Italians. Sailing off the rack there over there. He's Greek. He's He's Greek. He's not Italian. He's Greek. I'm not going to claim him as an Italian. No, that's good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Commercial speak. All right. So that's kind of a little take going into the NFL a little bit. Continue to listen to their podcast. They talk a lot of NFL as well. This week, we've got to touch on it too. With that said, Tyler. Uh, I know you had a little birthday this weekend. You want to set us up here and give us a little row one action here? Yeah, my son turned 10. You know who I turned to for his gift? Row one. <laughs> row one's a leader in sports brand that offers vintage apparel, canvas art, and unique sports gifts designed from the greatest tickets and memorabilia in sports history. I got my son this beautiful San Francisco Giants 1967 framed like logo. It's perfect. I suggest everyone go get it. Or something they like and enjoy, not necessarily a giant thing, but Row One does it right. Their clothing is beautifully made and very durable. And yeah, I suggest everyone go check out Row One. The Twitter is the cool stuff at cool stub. And Dan, what's the code again? Uh, 15%, 15%, yeah, get 15% off anything in the art gallery. Now, th- my son always asked me when I showed him about the row one, Brady asked me, he said, Dad, why do they, a lot of these pictures have the little one, the one bar across the face there. So a lot of the art one has the little one bar, old school style there, football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that very interesting. It's always funny explaining that Come to my son. Way. Yeah, they, they were they were a little different back then with that, <laughs> with the batting situation. So yeah, check out row one brand there. Uh, sponsor here of Variety Sports Network, like I said. Uh, have Jimmy on here uh, from the Variety Sports Network, uh, also with the Far End of the Bench podcast. Uh, got a little bit more time with them here. Jimmy, we just talked a little NFL here. Maybe we can, can transition a little bit into some NBA and then some random topics here a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Me and Tyler, we love football. We love baseball. NBA kind of just seems to be I, – I've been coaching basketball the last 16 years. 
So that's kind of, I started with baseball, transitioned into basketball a little bit, always loved football, obviously just as a fan. So basketball is like where we're kind of at with it. And I always find the nuggets very interesting. So I was kind of interested what, like, uh, to be honest, when I saw your guys' logo, I was like, wow, that's you must know it. That, that's kind of a, yeah. I saw like the little nugget nuggets part in it there. So yep. what what do you think about um Jokic a little bit? I'm always curious with him because he's a two-time MVP now. Um they had a he had a fun game with Giannis the other day and their little battle there, uh, mm-hmm. where they both played pretty unreal in their international world cup tournament. How is he viewed in in Denver? Like obviously he's beloved, but Outside, he still kind of gets a little, well, you know, this team doesn't win. You know, he shouldn't be the MVP in that regard. You know, he's still great. He's unreal. But how does does Denver base look at it like he is respected? He's not respected? How do you guys feel like he's looked at? They look at him like if we don't have him, we're a lottery pick. I mean, that's where the Nuggets are. The Nuggets won almost 50 games last season with two of their top three best players not being able to play. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., I think – Michael Porter Jr. played 10 games before he was out for the rest of the season. And Jamal Murray hasn't played since he tore his ACL. So the slander and the fact that people do say, like, I I hear it. We hear it. The Nuggets are a a mid-market. So they're they're a major media market, but the Nuggets in the NBA are a smaller market. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little bit frustrating because this guy is, he's the best player in the world. He should have won the MVP the last two seasons. He should have. I mean, is he the most athletic freak? No, he's not. He's not going to blow you away. He looks like every other, unless you're 6'10". I mean, that's the only thing that stands out about him. But he looks like every other fat guy that you've seen get on the the basketball court. He's trying to shoot fadeaway shots, except he shoots them and they go in. He does it. And he's the the best quarterback in Colorado. Even with Russell, he's the best quarterback in Colorado. No doubt. Um, So he's he's the best player in the world. And yeah. We get we have to go hard at the Philly fans because they're all we hear about is oh, Embiid. Embiid should have won the MVP. Embiid should have won the MVP. Bullshit. Embiid, if Embiid is playing or not playing for the 76ers last season, they were just about the same. They were able to make it to the playoffs with Embiid missing a good amount of time for injury. And Jokic doesn't miss all that much time. He plays pretty much all all the games that he can. And now he's playing in the summer too for um, Serbia. So not I guess that that's where we kind of are wishing he wasn't so loyal and, and yeah. playing in games like that. Cause we don't need him to get hurt. We can't have another season where a guy goes down. I think people are going to be surprised when that big three is able to play with each other. The nuggets are going to be a lot tougher of an out than, than what they're seeing throughout the rest of the country. Yeah. We played you guys at the Warriors played you guys in the first round <clears> last year, kind of took care of him pretty easily. Even with Jokic on the team, uh, the defense was just awful. The Nuggets played last year in the playoffs. Yeah, we couldn't. We didn't have a single matchup that we could have thrown out there to try and guard the uh, the Warriors' offense. Nico was explaining it to me. We had all big fat guys, and you there's just little gnats that they're like. Nico goes, they're gonna pick and roll and pick and roll and pick and roll until somebody finds an open three pointer, and then they're gonna make that open three pointer. And we just nobody on the Nuggets team has that much endurance to run around with with all those rabbits. No, that I that I used to love Aaron Gordon, and then last year I turned on him. I beat him up a little bit. I beat him up a little bit. I turned on Aaron Gordon. I thought he was going to have a big year when he got to him, and uh, it didn't prove me right there. Yeah, Jokic is a great case. Yeah, I love we. I love Jokic. I'm just always curious because he get, does get hate. Never really talked to anybody from that area, so just curious to see where you guys look at him. How do people view the Warriors though out there? 
or just in general, so, how do you view the Warriors? Do you look at them as kind of like somebody that's still, still champion? I mean, like I said, me and him grew up hardcore. We went through the dog days, like 17 yeah. straight years of not making a playoffs. So I'm just curious, how do you guys view, <clears throat> view the Warriors? Um, like I said, I kind of view Denver as a good team for being a low market. They're always been competitive, except for early mm-hmm. on in my life. So how do you guys look at the Warriors? They're just frustrating right now. I mean, team that wins all that much that's playing in your same conference, it's never going to sit well with you. I think yeah. I do. Nico and I have a little bit more respect for the Warriors, especially it wasn't – we always go with the built-not-bought, and the Warriors are a really good example of the built-not-bought because you guys you might have brought in KD, and you might bring in these other guys that want to play in Golden State now, but it was Steve Kerr, it was Steph Curry, yeah. it was Clay Thompson and Draymond Green to start things off, and it's still – a majority of those guys in the prominent roles and you can't deny that the culture is a championship culture they're just able to kind of bring new people in and as soon as you buy in they're gonna be really tough to beat and I didn't I thought that Boston would have given them a little bit better run in the finals the NBA playoffs this year were boring and that was because nobody could keep up with how the Warriors wanted to play so uh, <clears throat> I was more paying attention to the hockey playoffs, even when the NBA finals were going on. So warriors are annoying, but I think I can at least give the respect for you did go through the crap and you have pulled yourself out of that a little bit. Yeah. 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 I was just curious because people just hate them. They don't understand the rate. They just turns on them quickly. That that always kind of makes it who's the better basketball player. You or Nico. Oh, Nico by far. I was not a basketball. (laughs) I wrestled in the winters. Nico actually you, played basketball. I you said you were bigger. Could you post him up one-on-one? Could he at least steal uh, it from you? No, yours? no, no. <laughs> I can't. I can barely dribble with my left hand. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I am not not the basketball guy by any stretch of the imagination. That's funny. That's funny. Um, all right. Uh, so you talked about hockey a little bit here. The Avs going into the playoffs. That's obviously you guys went to the parade a little. Yeah, I saw you guys read mm-hmm. the parade too over there when they won. Um, yep. Where does hot? You said that it's a football state, obviously. I would think it's kind of a hockey state too. I've been just from afar living here in California, where I've got I've never seen snowfall in my whole life. So I'm curious where <laughs> I've never seen it fall. It's one of these weird things I've never seen living way out here in the bear. So how, where, where's hockey for? I mean, the Avs have to me always been pretty good. I know they went through this stretch here a little bit ago. But where yeah, Jimmy, with the Avs here in uh, in Colorado, and where, where's their fan base at with them? The fan base is pretty diehard, especially because yeah. they weren't always here. They got to Colorado in 96 after uh, Quebec lost the Nordiques. So since then, and that, that first season, they got Patrick Waugh in, and they had Joe Sackett and Peter Forsberg. Yep. We got treated to one of the better teams in the entire NHL. I think they won the President's Trophy the year before they came to Colorado and then go on that crazy run, win a Stanley Cup in their first season, and win it in a sweep. It's been a – when they're good, people love them. When they're bad, people don't talk about them as much. It's not that they don't still want them to be successful, but if, like I said, if you're not going to be good enough to talk about, Colorado has the ways that they're – I mean, we yeah. can just talk about the Broncos for the entire year. And we don't have to mention the Avalanche if they're not going to put forward the best product. Um, but, no, it, this last season finally was the culmination. It had been I, – I was done with it. I was ready to be like – blow everything up. I don't care if they're that good. They're winning all the regular season games, but they can't win in the playoffs. So them finally putting the next step forward and taking it to that next level um, is crazy how many hockey fans showed up in Colorado. Yeah. And 
I think there were 500,000 people at that parade. It looked That's, huge. Uh, yeah, there was, it was a ton of people. It was all the way, we have a civic center park right in front of our, basically right in front of our state capitals where that was. And Nico and I were in the middle section, but there was probably 100,000 people in the lawn up at the front of the stage. And yeah. Nazem Kadri said it best, like you couldn't even see the end of it when you were standing up on the stage. So That's crazy. it was, it was heard- something. You brought up Law, Forsberg, Sackett. Yeah. Did this team hang with that team? The, the <clears throat> kid in the latest guy, the ranting in, and those are guys, we, are they playing? Are they playing with the NHL rules that they have now? Or are they playing with the <laughs> NHL rules when that team? Because that's the thing. The NHL is one of the leagues that have changed their rules, and, and the game has changed insane just in in the last ten years, let alone the last twenty. Um, I think was the, the double line pass available back then? What, what, that no. Was, no, the, 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 no, 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 that was a rules. And the the goalies used to be, be able to get hit if they went to the back of their net. That's oh, that yeah. trapezoid. That's what yes. protects the goaltenders. They used to be able to just get ran over. I um, forgot about that. Yeah, back in the day, true. that Avalanche team, the amount of uh, Hall of Famers, like yeah. the two thousand one team. I don't think any any Colorado Avalanche team could touch this team. Was one of the better just record wise in the playoffs, it was one of the more dominant runs. So I think that they would be able to play with them and probably push them to seven the same way that New Jersey did. But the blue line of that 2001 team with Ray Bork, Adam foot, and then you have Patrick Waugh in between the pipes. I'm sorry, Patrick Waugh beats Kerry or Darcy Kemper 10 times out of 10. Darcy Kemper. Was Rob Blake on the defense a lot at that time? Yeah. Yep. Stacked. Adam Floyd, hey, Rob Blake, and Ray Bork. Yeah. Was Sandus Oslinch on that team? Uh, Oslinch. Was that I early, think? Early I early. think I know he was on the '96 team. If he was still there around, if he was still around there in 2001. Um, yeah, and then also the Valerie Kaminsky's. There is yeah. uh, Kaminsky yeah, was my favorite guy in NHL '98 or something like yeah. that. Every time I shot with him, that's a goal. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Uh, he was another. I mean. I didn't realize the the connection. Like Avalanche are really good when they have really good players named Valerie, because we have Valerie Nachushkin now, and we ended up winning the cup. He, this is, it's fun because I'm playing the NHL video games, so I'm like, I on my social media, I get all these hockey videos that pop up, and I'm learning the game. Uh, I could never skate. I, if I could have skated, I would have been the perfect hockey enforcer. Because if you touch any of my teammates, I will go and take my liberties into my own hands but I couldn't ever get up and down the ice. So now I'm learning how to play with the video game and watching all these, watching the avalanche play, watching all the other teams play. One of the most fun sports that I've actually got into later in my life. Cause I didn't, I didn't know any of the rules previous. I, I barely knew what icing was up until uh, 2017. And then in college, when they had that crazy run where they upset Calgary as an eight seed, and then yeah. they played San Jose and lost to San Jose in, in yeah. game seven. That was really when, like, I full heartedly back into, I've always loved them, but that was like full hard. They need to win. If they don't win, it's going to ruin my weekend kind of, gotcha. kind of deal. That's funny. Yeah. My, my dad has really gotten to the Sharks the last like eight years. Like, he'll like actually record all the games and like, mm-hmm. so he actually, he'll, he'll, he's like really into it. I kind of at this point follows you know, follow the league and then kind of when the playoffs hit, if they're in it, the Sharks haven't been obviously as relevant the last few years. They're now in complete real rebuild uh, mode around here, but they had a long stretch where they were very competitive. They, like you said, they beat you guys in the playoffs. One of my favorite yeah. games was when they were down 
four nothing to the to Vegas and then got that maybe cheap call five minute major and yeah. but still took advantage of got five goals or whatever. So anytime like anybody beats Vegas, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm with you. Vegas is pretty annoying too. Uh with them. Yeah, who who's I mean, Tyler mentioned all these great players. Is there a guy that stands out? Like Sackett and Wah are the first guys that stand out to me. I always yeah. thought Forsberg was maybe the best. I don't know. I just, when I watched him play, it just seemed like he was so good. But is there like a fan favorite out of those guys? Sackett's been the cap. Sackett was the captain. So yeah. Sackett is kind of, when you talk about the Avalanche and now being the GM, or I think he promoted himself called himself into his office and promoted himself to grand poobah of hockey operations. Um, <laughs> wonder how that conversation went. Joe, listen, we're going to, you've done such a great job. We're going to move you up and uh, we're going to give you a pay bump. And now you get a new title on, on your parking spot. Um, <laughs> he was, he's been the guy for a long time. Wa people kind of soured on Wa, especially when he was the coach here and, and the yeah. way he left. Yeah. So it's not as much him anymore. But if we're going to go just most talented avalanche player of all time, it's definitely Peter Forsberg. Yeah, he, the, the people that I've heard talk about playing against him or watching him play, there was nothing like it in the NHL at that point. He was the very first – him and uh, Eric Lindros were like the first two power forwards that could skate around you, through you, and then also dangle and finish, make your goalie lose his skates and, and put it behind him. So Peter Forsberg probably the best player in avalanche. Avalanche history. Speaking of Joe Sackett, where does he stand in all-time Denver lore? Like, it's probably Elway one would be my guess. And then is it yeah. Sackett or is it Manning or because it's football rules it or Manning? It can't. It's not. It's gonna. It's the um, Elway Sackett. <laughs> as much as we Jokic, love, probably as as Jokic. Jokic is getting up there. Jokic, <laughs> especially if he continues on and and is dominant. I don't think he's. The NBA is not going to give him another MVP unless he's – especially not this season, but it's going to be a few more years. Um, it's probably Elway and then Sackett. Sackett you got to win two. something to um, get above Sackett, right? Yeah, and, and now he's got three. So he's got the same amount as Elway. And uh, I don't think Sackett has lost the final. Sackett hasn't Dang. lost when they've made it to the Stanley Cup finals. He lost a couple Western Conference finals, unfortunately, but not the Stanley Cup. Just real quickly, what do you think of letting Darcy Kemper leave and bringing in this Alexander Georgiev guy from the Rangers? Is that it was, an upgrade, or is it just sort of a sideways move that is new blood? I think they're trying to just repeat what they did with Kemper last year because Kemper, up until he played for the Avalanche, had never been in the top five of the statistical categories in the NHL. So it was a little bit tough to see him go just because he was the guy that won you the cup. But I think that Francis could have won us the cup that season, the the way that he was playing in the playoffs. Um, and with the money that you were going to have to tie up in Darcy Kemper, they were able to have now the same setup, Gorgiev and Francis as the backup. And they're paying the same amount of money for those two players as you would have been paying for one Darcy Kemper. So they were able to do a couple other moves, and now they have a little bit more wiggle room at the trade deadline. And that's what they were kind of going for. Um, when they locked up Valerina Chushkin for eight years and eight million a year, they weren't going to be bringing back a subpar goaltender who may or may not be able to see out of one of his eyes. And, and that's kind of the hard truth that you had to, to face when you're talking about a guy like Darcy Kemper. I love you. And I love that you won us the Stanley Cup and, and you're great. You weren't Patrick Waugh. You weren't Martin Brodeur. Uh, I, could do, I could do this without you, kind of. Yeah. So 
I just want to bring up one more player who's not well. I mean, he's great is uh, Kale McCarr or Cole. Yeah. Kale McCarr. Everybody should know who this guy is. Who watched Best defenseman in the world. He's a little guy. He's like an offense. He's like a wing when you need him to be as far as like mm-hmm. skill. And he plays defense with the best of them. And he's not a big guy, but he'll throw. Is he kind of like that guy that used to play for the lightning? Wasn't there like a, or is that no, he's not a, somebody he's else? way smaller than that guy. He's, way yeah. Like Hedman's way bigger. <laughs> Edmund's like six six and then six ten on skate. <laughs> no, I was thinking. I think I was thinking boy. of. Uh, I think I was thinking of the forward for St. Louis. He wasn't a defenseman, uh, or yeah. not for St. Louis for Tampa. <laughs> maybe so. Yeah, go ahead, Ty. But why he's had one hundred and eighty points in one hundred and seventy eight career games? Why should people know who this guy? Like, can you explain better what he brings than I can? Obviously, he is the closest. So the. The class of defenseman in the NHL starts and, and ends with Bobby Orr. He's considered the best NHL defenseman of all time. Uh, won a couple cups with Boston and was the first guy that kind of most defensemen hung back and just played in front of kind of like lacrosse where they didn't cross over the blue line or the, or the red line. So they wouldn't get into the offensive play. Bobby Orr was the first one that kind of showed the skill and being able to take the puck from behind his own net, skate all the way down. Uh, you got the Paul Coffees who played with Wayne Gretzky in, in Edmonton. It was the next generation of that. And then there wasn't really a defenseman that could play that way to where you're able to skate and undress your defenders on the other end, get in front of the net. And I don't know if you've seen the the goal that he scored against Nashville, where he bounced the puck off the side of the goaltender's face mask and scored it. You don't see that. Uh, not everybody in the world can do that. There's a select few people who play hockey that are able to, go full speed towards his own blue line, stop on a dime, turn back towards the boards, and he's flying down the wing, and the goaltender has to go from, oh, he's skating it back, he's going to go at the point and probably pass this thing down to, oh, my God, he's right in front of me, and then it bounced off the – it's in the back of the net already. He is so fast. He is strong. He can play defense, like you were saying. It, it's He's a small guy, but he's strong, and, and he'll put people – he'll knock people over, put people into the boards. And now that he's a little bit older and has a little it's bit – He's still only 23 – yeah, the, the first couple of years, I was a little bit hard on him because he's turning the puck over, trying to skate it out from behind his behind the net. And if you turn it over in the offensive zone, you're basically giving up a, a free goal. He's not doing that anymore. And him and Devon Taves are the two most consistent defensemen when they're on the ice together. I think they're plus 30 or, or something like that to where they barely – it's almost impossible to score on the avalanche when Kale McCarr and Devon Taves are playing defense for him. I always wonder with hockey if it can like jump up to a more popular national sport or something like that. I always wonder that with it a little bit. I know I'm not the biggest ESPN fan, but I know they're on ESPN. I should help them with some games, act, you know, maybe being able to see more people's being able to see their game and stuff like that. Uh, I always think a fun rule change would be if they changed the ice to Olympic ice just to see it. But I know a lot of they would probably mm-hmm. never do that. But I'd be interested to see what the game would look like at a different, just a little bit bigger ice, but. That's from somebody yeah. that doesn't watch it. Like you guys, like it'd be with me at baseball a little bit. I'm always like, no, let's keep it a little bit where it's at. But whenever I watch the game at Olympic, I always do like that bigger, that more space out there. Do you have a rule that maybe that kind of comes to mind that would be changed? Or what do you think of that one? Uh, I would probably get rid of the trapezoid. I think the trapezoid. In the back. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't as big of a issue as they were making it out to be. It was yeah. it was coming out of lockout, and I think the players just wanted to get something over on the owners, so they said, "Well, you need to make this rule to protect the goaltenders." Uh, I think that the when you're talking about the popularity of the NHL, I think that being on ESPN 
here's the cra- here's a crazy stat, and I don't know if, if you would have been aware of this. That was the first Stanley Cup final that was available to every single person in America, not having to have some sort of cable package. That was the first Stanley Cup final that played all seven games on network television to where that. it was available to the entire country. So as much as I, I honestly think it's sometimes it's the third most popular sport. I would say it's baseball and, and the NHL, the MLB and the NHL, because they have the two worst commissioners in sports kind of go back and forth. With <laughs> say it up, again, say it again. Up, <laughs> oh, I'm a big like man fart and uh, not. Yeah. It's Rob Manfred is the uh-huh. NA, NBA MLB, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Batman awesome. too, for the NHL, like, they're arguing back and forth for who is the least most popular major the American idiots. sport. They're but idiots. I think the sometimes I'll end up in the Hall of Fame also. <laughs> <laughs> they will. Know. You know that. Yeah. Uh, I think that the NHL is in a good spot with a TV deal. This year, we're going to see the revenue start bumping up. And even though the salary cap isn't going up as quickly as, as people have thought, it'll be, it'll change and this TV deal will help. Yeah. Uh, well, Let's uh let's take one little last break here real quick, and then we'll come back. If you're all right, we'll do a quick little bonanza segment we do here once in a while on the podcast. We'll kind of hit you with some quick little questions here. Some maybe a little. We need to topic. get that bonanza music. You got to get that bonanza music. We'll have to get your guy to help us out with that one here one of yeah. these times. But uh, yeah, let's just take one little quick break. We'll be right back here with Jimmy from the uh, Far on the Bench podcast. Fine. All right, we're back here, Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast. Final segment here. We got Jimmy with us, Jim Otto. Raider Center. Uh, he's a lot younger now. It's what he used to look like back in the day. We got it. This is the technology we can pull off here. Um, anyways, we got Jimmy here. Last thing I hear, Bonanza. You know what we do here. We like to ask, I like to ask just random things that happened during the week. Kind of put it into our own life a little bit. We'll see what Jimmy has here personality-wise. We've got to test him. We'll also throw some sport things back at him a little bit. So Mickey Mantle's card yesterday, boys, sells for $12.6 million, by far setting the record for a card. Mickey Mantle, all of all players. Damn good player, but still Mickey Mantle. Uh, $12.6 million. Best card you have right now, if any, that you could sell, what would it be? What, like, if you had any card you own right now, what do you think the most you could get for it right now is? 60 bucks. 60 bucks. Who is it? Uh, An Aaron Judge autograph. <laughs> I, uh, I have Anthony Munoz, like, certified signature Hall of Fame card. Um, Damn, nice and card. I was told when it was bought for me for my birthday that it was not cheap. So I'm not selling it, but I guess I, I would say probably around 200, maybe maybe 300 on the high end. If yeah. you're really into offensive line play, I mean he's the only Hall of Famer in, in team history. So you got to sell it to the guy that does the radio show. You're saying the really don't have a Hall of Famer. <laughs> That's the only one, Anthony Munoz, one and only. That's wild. They've been around <laughs> forever, and mm-hmm. yeah. Ken Anderson and Ken Riley should be. Oh. Who should? Yeah. Ken Anderson and Ken Riley. Ken Riley yeah. was his corner cornerback when they went to the Super Bowl back in the '80s, and then Ken Anderson was the first quarterback to get him to the Super Bowl. That's Who was crazy. your first favorite player on the Bengals? Probably Rudy Johnson, running back. Auburn? Who was he from? He was Auburn. Rudy, I don't remember. Uh, he was number thirty-two. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, I heard that's he was, funny. That's funny. I, that was my next question. Who was his favorite Bengals player? Right? That was very good. Rudy Johnson, the running back. He had a couple big years there for the Bengals. I remember they had to call. Yeah. I, he was uh he's Joe Mixon before Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon now is my my favorite player on the team currently. Him and yeah. him and Burrow. Um I always give Joe Mixon a whole bunch of credit because he was a back-to-back thousand yard rusher behind the worst 
offensive line in football for those two seasons where he's blocked, he's dodging four guys in the backfield and then having to carry two defensive tackles on his back just to get back to the line of scrimmage. That's how bad they were. Is that, does it hurt you that he wasn't in the last couple plays of the Super Bowl? Mm. Uh, you don't worry, it's not no big deal. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he probably should have been in it. And I guess Samaj was the P, Samaj P. Ryan was their quote third down back and their receiving back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it changes anything. Our guard getting beat like a drone like that to Aaron Donald after Aaron Donald didn't do a single thing for the rest of the game. That was what really hurt me more than anything. I was finally That's what he yeah. did that after, right? Right after that. Yeah. Was we like, had oh. a uh, we had a Super Bowl party going on here and everybody knows that I'm a big Bengals fan and yeah. I was I had to promise to be on my best behavior. And if I was going to freak out, I had to come down because we have like a, a main living room and then a room down in the basement with a TV. I had to go down to the basement after the, on that last offensive drive after the Rams took the lead. And I was just sitting there like this the whole time. I, <laughs> I wanted to look away, but I was like, I can't. This is the worst. This is the Dude, worst that, feeling of all time. That's so funny. That's exactly what I did. I was, where I was at my parents' house for a little. The Warriors played the Cavs when they lost in game seven. I was like, I can't be here for the last four minutes. I went upstairs. <laughs> I was like, I can't be in public right now. I was like, yeah, yeah. The Bengals have, they have given me the most heartache in my life. My uh, <laughs> senior year of high school was the year that Vontez Burfecht decapitated Antonio Brown. Okay, and yeah, the <laughs> amount of crap that I talked, I almost had to take the week off of school after that. And I was just sitting there after they kicked the field goal. I just sat on the couch for a solid 20 minutes afterwards and didn't say a single thing. I was just like, I don't, don't have a, don't have any explanation for what I just witnessed. What I just and witnessed everything changed in Antonio Brown's career after that. He became yeah, a psycho after that. It wasn't the mm-hmm. same after that for sure. Yeah. So, all right, so that's good. You have best player in the Bengals. That's exactly where I was going to go next. I was speaking of card. I had a Ricky Henderson rookie card. It's probably around. 100 or so that's probably the best card you gotta have but 20 12 million dollars holy man that's a good story all right tyler i asked you this yesterday we'll see what jimmy has or i was going to ask you to think about it what's a random stat in any professional sport that you may know so i was i saw this yesterday on twitter one that came along to me yesterday i was like the raiders played the steelers back in 2004 i just remember it jerome bettis ran for three touchdowns and had one yard rushing so i remember that one standing out to me because i was like how the hell did he pull that off but he got three yards rushing there. And so that's kind of a stat that's always stuck out to me. Tyler, you got one that comes here. Mike could be something else too. Like, you know, hmm. I, I, got a, I got a fun one and then a more sports. So the fun one, one is this one's for PETA. Go ahead. 3,000 cows are needed to make the year supply football of footballs for the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> and then if Wade Gretzky never scored a goal, he'd still lead the NHL in all time points. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. a crazy stat. I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He had a one, too, where he has three national championships and two losses. So that was kind of a crazy wow. stat. Too. There is one, too. So, uh, Jimmy, there anything that stick out to you? There are there a random stat that you know that you shouldn't know or something like that that nobody else cares well, about? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's just – it's knowledge that I think not many people of my generation would know. Charles Haley has more Super Bowl rings himself than, like, over 50% of the NFL franchises because he won – with the, the Cowboys Niners. and Niners all throughout the nineties. So I, I can't remember the specific number, but it's obviously he has more than the Bengals and the Jaguars and you get the easy jokes out of the way. But even uh, I think he has more, he has more himself than the Broncos have as a franchise. I think he has five. If he didn't yeah. pee on George Seifert's car, he could have kept all the Niners. And... Yeah. 
I wish yeah, somebody in that locker room would go and tell the, the full. <laughs> I wish somebody in that locker room would tell a full Charles Haley story. But most of the time, when they bring up Charles Haley to the Niners, they're just like, "I can't. Nope. I'm not touching that. Not touching <laughs> that at all." <laughs> like we're not doing that. There's already some interesting stories that came out of it with them over there. Um, all right, so a couple more here. Hey, you mentioned in your last podcast that you played in China, right? Mm-hmm. Did, I miss it? Did I hear you right? So you went for a, you got selected on this sound like high school team that you you're a good high school player you got to play in the u16 i think you said international team over there in china mm-hmm. first of all how the heck did that happen and how did, i didn't even know other countries had under 16 football teams but you told me i was like i was like japan fields a team i was like, yep. <laughs> I was like I'm hey, here's okay then here's another random fact that not everybody's going to know japan's played yeah. american football for 80 years yeah i wouldn't know they have played know. american football for 80 years but uh it was you. It was you nineteen because I was. Okay. It was after 19. my senior year of high school, um, but I, it was USA football. They have like yeah. camps all around the country. If you do really well at the, your local camp, you get selected to go to their development games. So um, the year that I got selected, I went to the camp in Denver. Um, I guess did well enough that I got selected to go play in College Station with a whole bunch of other kids that did well at their regional camps. If you stand out there they take you to what's called the International Bowl. And I got to play in AT&T Stadium against Canada. And Canada absolutely whooped us because U18 in Canada is a little bit different than U18 in the U.S. for whatever reason. I I swear those guys are like 25 playing (laughs) against a bunch of high school seniors. But um, and then from there, I guess I got uh, selected. They do it every two years. I don't know if they've continued it through COVID. I haven't been able to keep up. But the year before the tournament that they had before my year it was in kuwait city kuwait so over in the middle east um and then i was in the year that i did it was in harbin china which is actually where the basketball stadium that they played the olympic games in in 2006 for beijing that's the city that it's in we were right across the street from that arena how many teams feel like how many like you know was there like eight teams in this tournament yeah Yeah. eight countries it was china japan austria australia canada Mexico, U.S., and uh, I'm missing one that I can't think of. Germany? Germany. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Irish. East uh, NFL Europe. That was my – I remember when they were in the Madden games. I was like, what the heck is this? My yeah. curious – when you were telling me that, my thought was, okay, first of all, I was blown away that you there's these other countries that feel the teams. Like, especially – and, and I'm sure there's good players on some of these teams, mm-hmm. but they're – you know, that – Football is not necessarily probably as popular, so they're not maybe getting as coached up. Or I don't know, maybe they are, but maybe there's like a just a gap between the talent, so they can't really go to so far with it. But I'm curious because with baseball, you see this with other sports too. There's kind of a personality that comes with players from a country, and I don't really think about that with football because all of them usually come from America. So my question to you is: When you were playing against some of these teams, did you notice a difference? Like so, in baseball, right? Japan, they're very fundamentally sound. Dominican Republic, they're having a good time out there. They're going to be a little. Have good arms. They're going to throw a little bit. What'd you notice yeah. in the, on the football side of stuff? Um, so Canada was the other team that I couldn't think of, and I okay. like to block that one out because they actually won the gold medal from us. My I, the medal I have from that tournament is silver, not gold. Oh, okay, um, <clears throat> Japan. When you talk about the Bushido code and the never giving up, we were up sixty to like fifteen in the third quarter on Japan, and those kids, I swear to you, did not like it, you would have thought that we were tied going into the fourth quarter they never 
gave up, never gave a single inch. Um, we played Austria in the first game and they were like playing a team back from the 1980s because they hadn't quite developed to the shotgun and the read option and all that. It was like they were watching a whole bunch of 90s Broncos footage and they were running uh, inside zone right, inside zone left. And we were out there like, I, okay, I guess if you want to run this, that's fine. Um, Canada was a little cocky, but I guess Canada probably had to be because they're they're playing our sport and we had beat them. So we they'd swapped the gold medal back and forth. I think the U.S. won it the first year that they did this tournament. Canada won it the year after. U.S. got it back in Kuwait, and they really wanted to get it back for, for Canada. And a lot of those kids, they actually try and play college football in the States. Yeah. Um, so they were, they were doing their best to kind of show up and show out against the American teams. Um, the Aussies were a fun, fun team to watch. And they were uh, the most fun to hang out with outside of the games, too, because we all lived <laughs> in the same dorms. Yeah. Uh, they had a barefoot rugby game pickup rugby game in the courtyard for a solid hour and a half in between football games where they were full contact nobody had shoes on running around in the courtyard over the gravel over the rocks and playing full-on rugby um but yeah they were and their fans were a blast too sitting up there in the stands with some of them that was that was kind of fun yeah, I always feel like that. That'd be uh, that'd be different there. Barefoot watching that Australia, they got they're they're different. They're made different down there. Stephen Adams basketball. We always know him over there. Uh, with their, that's funny there. Uh, with their Tyler, you got one with for him. in China, just like, was there any second thoughts of even going there? Yeah, China too. Ooh. That's crazy to be there, and then flight back. It's a long ass flight. Definitely was watching my P's and Q's. Um, and the the craziest part about that whole thing, so especially now that I'm a geography teacher, I'm very big into like, you have to know the cultures and customs of the places that you're going to. And that came from, we had the meeting while we were in New Jersey. It was right before we were leaving to go to China. And it was very important that we had this meeting because we had a very large African-American population on the team. Um, apparently in China, in the language where we would use a space filler like um or like, the word in the Chinese language for that happens to be the N-word. Mm. Yeah. So we had to be told, like, you were you were going to hear this and you were going to hear this like you're walking through South Central and, and they're all talking to their buddies and, they're, and, and all of that kind of stuff. You can't react because it's not offensive and they're not calling you anything. They really don't. They, they have no reference, point of reference for what we would be upset about that. But we had to sit there for 30 minutes and it was a, a culture training session before we went out there. And then uh, some of the kids took advantage of the no drinking age after we lost that gold medal game to Canada we had to fly early the next morning so a lot of us tried to pull all-nighters so that we'd just be able to sleep it was a 24-hour flight back uh, uh, yeah. not fun and I, I got a middle seat uh, my great country got me a middle seat in between an elderly Chinese couple who was arguing over whether or not they wanted to eat their food and I was just sitting in the middle trying to watch my movie and I can't sleep because I'm used to it being like four four o'clock in the afternoon and I can't sleep even though I should and I'm just like yeah. ah, what did I get myself into here <laughs> I don't even know hopefully I make it back to New York at this point I have no clue we had to go back through Shanghai Customs without our interpreter because our interpreter was only in Harbin with us and we oh, had to fly no. from Harbin to Shanghai to go back through Customs and we were <laughs> walking around like um, some of the signs have English on them most of them don't 
I'm gonna don't go through go this, this way. Let's go that yeah. way. Let's go. <laughs> what what's our gate? I don't know. I have no, I don't know. I have no idea. We ended up at no, we're in we're now. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome to Singapore. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, no, that's not where I wanted to be. That was uh, the wrong way. Yeah, that, that was crazy. I appreciate you sharing some of that because I was thinking about as you're listening to your podcast. I'm like, there's got to be different elements to some of these other football countries. Again, I didn't know that they played with it. So that's pretty cool that you got to have that experience. You, I know you interviewed somebody that played for the Steelers. Now is he mm-hmm. still playing for the Steelers? Yeah, he was the he was their third round draft pick last season, Kendrick Green. He was okay. on that team with me in China. Okay, cool. Was anybody on Canada that was like noteworthy, or was there somebody like were they just kind of bigger and better at that point? They were just bigger. Yeah, I mean, nobody. I, I couldn't. Then nobody's name stood out. Yeah, um, they had a pretty good running back. We called him LL Cool J because he wore his, a tangle walking around <laughs> the campus. That's why we called him Cocky because he would hold, have it down over his eyes and he'd be walking around like this, like yeah. he was all tough and everything. So that, that's why we didn't necessarily get along with Canada all that much. It's um, good. It's good you guys had a rival. <laughs> Yeah, any yeah. given. So I don't know. That's funny. Um, all right. Well, uh, Tyler, you got anything else here, my man? No, I think I'm good. And you're good. I'll Thank you. Here. Jimmy, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you jumping on. We had kind of uh, a over an hour here with you. So I appreciate your time with us. I look forward to doing the, the Sunday night things with you. Uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Sports Network. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can get Nico on there too with it. We can just kind of, we'll have things to react to, obviously, during the game. We can kind of come up mm-hmm. with some stuff there while we're doing it. So, Looking forward to doing that. And uh, again, thanks for coming on. Where can people uh, find you at, my friend? And promote your merch, please. Yeah, uh, new shirts in the Variety Sports Store. I believe it's bonfire.com um, backslash variety-sports-network. Uh, we have, they have Return to the Jungle on the back. If you're a Bengals fan like myself, uh, the Broncos have Ride or Die with a little horse head on the back. So check out the merch store for Variety Sports at Pod on all social medias um you can follow the far end of the bench on all podcasting platforms and you can catch us wednesdays on the variety sports network feed um but that's that's all of the stuff that we got thank you again for having a, having me on we've been talking back and forth a little bit i wanted to get the four of us on um on together hopefully we'll, we'll have both of you guys on our show um as well and that nfl show for variety on sundays that's going to be can't miss so hopefully everybody listening is is setting their calendars setting a reminder for that that's going to be a whole bunch of fun that will be a lot of fun i look forward to uh breaking down some of the things that happen because every sunday there is always something in football to talk about it and the thing that's good here is we're all fans of all different teams too so we should all be able to get different and we can all complain about something during the week so (laughs) every week somebody's going to be really sad and it's just going to be like yep this is we're going to give him the chance to vent and hopefully He's, gonna, he's not going to cry on air. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Jimmy, thanks for joining us, man. Check you Thank out. Check out Far in the Bench podcast, Variety Sports Network. Uh, Tyler, we'll see you next week for episode 102. Peace. Peace.